You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by Go Wild. Go Wild is the fastest growing social media app for outdoor enthusiasts. If you love to hunt, if you love to fish, if you love to hike, if you love to camp, if you like to be outdoors, then you need to download the Go Wild app. It's a perfect place for you to join a community of people like-minded people who enjoy the same things that you do. You won't be persecuted for posting a trophy pick. You won't be persecuted for, you know, posting meat or whatever like they do on, uh, you'll get some haters every once in a while on Instagram and uh, Facebook. But I think it's a really good place for you to not only share what you do, but join a community and that allows you to meet other people and who knows what happens when you meet other people. A specific example of is, I posted a comment or something about uh, shed hunting and I met a guy who shed hunts near me and I think we're going to team up and go on a shed hunt together uh, this this fall so or this excuse me this spring. So if you haven't had the opportunity go to the Google Play Store, download the Go Wild app and if you want some more information, you can also go to their website time to go wild.com. Get outside, it's time to go wild. Welcome to another Land and Legacy podcast. We're your hosts, Matt Dye. And I'm Adam Keith. And we have got another special podcast. we got some friends of Land and Legacy on this week um, from Sportsman's Alliance. We've got Brian and we've got Sean on. And um, this is something a little out of our norm that we don't normally do um, is, is kind of get a little more political on some things. Uh-oh. Yeah, we we spoke, don't don't we turn us off that yet. Word. Yeah, yeah, and, and it's and it's it's not all that political. Um, however, I, there was super enlightening to me um, about what this organization does, and I think it's super important after talking with them, even even more so um, after talking with them, that that we realize how important an organization like Sportsman's Alliance is to hunters. There, and I think that that right there is a great example of sometimes you can get lost in which nonprofit, what conservation organization, what hunting mm-hmm. organization I want to whatever donate to or, or associate, or rep, with, or associate yeah. with or work with. Um, I mean, there's so many great ones. QDMA, NWTF, Quail Forever, Sportsman's Alliance, yeah. uh, NDA. Uh, I mean, the list goes on and Ducks yeah. Unlimited, Delta Waterfowl. 
Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation, Aldo Leopold Foundation. We could yeah. go on and on. The Nature Conservancy um, of all these different organizations, but it comes do down great to work. there's when when I think of Quail Forever, I think of helping landowners improve habitat well, and habitat helping uh, actually do habitat work. When I think of uh, QDMA, I think of a little bit of of giving giving out information to help landowners, help deer hunters, but also mm-hmm. being involved in the political side of things and yeah. trying to get legislation passed. Um, Sportsman's Alliance is kind of one of those where we have mutual friends with people. Uh, involved there yeah. that have said hey you guys you, every time you know every time you, you guys talk guys. you you sound very similar to what these guys are talking about mm-hmm. and you guys need to get in touch and so here we are yeah um i actually wasn't involved in this interview yeah. um and of course uh so you handled it and i'm excited to hear it and i know everybody's gonna enjoy it because it's definitely an organization we need to help support um for sure i and it's one of those, I think I probably mentioned in the podcast, like I'm not that political of a person. So I, I had, I had honestly had preconceived notions about what it is they do and knowing that, you know, they're part they they help, you know, represent hunters and legislation and things like that. But I underestimated the value of that, honestly, it, before talking with them. Um, so I, I say that to say, listen, I, I'm not a political person, but I, I know how important this is. And I want everyone to listen with that open mind and say, okay, wow, these guys are really the the effort that is behind and, and really protecting us in ways that we have zero idea we even need protection. Um, so it's extremely eye-opening. Um, and two, it's weird because as you guys will, will listen, there's a lot of parallels between what we do from a day-to-day basis, honestly, and what they do like it's it's strikingly similar which sounds weird but you'll just have to listen and and pick that up so hope you guys um, enjoy the discussion um, and will help uh, sportsman's alliance out brian from sportsman's alliance you guys there yes sir yes sir all righty well appreciate you guys uh coming on the for love of the land land legacy habitat heroes podcast um, we're not sure where, where this one's going to fall because we're just opening up this conversation and rolling with it. Uh, we know, you know, have a little bit of a back history about Sportsman's Alliance, um, but I think that your guys' reach and everything that you do is so broad that, um, honestly, either one of our podcasts, it can fall under, um, and we're just going to see where this conversation goes, uh, the direction that it heads, and I, I just think it's important um, as we've all discussed, to have people, hunters, outdoorsmen, fishermen, trappers, whoever in, that enjoy the outdoors know about you guys and, and what you're doing because a lot of it tends to be behind the scenes, correct? Yeah, you know, that's, that's, that's a lot of the stuff that, that our organization kind of gets involved in is that, uh, that behind-the-scenes work that, you know, a lot of folks don't see, uh, you know, because – you know, sportsmen in general, painting kind of with a broad brush here, we really don't want to get involved in the politics of, of things. And we certainly don't want hunting to be political, but sure. it is whether we like that or not. And um, so, yeah, that's our, our organization's mission is to protect and advance the outdoor traditions of hunting, fishing, trapping, you know, and the shooting sports. So that's kind of the, the short version of, you know, who we are and what we do. We're, we're out there looking out for sportsmen's related issues, you know, whether it's something that would be, you know, a positive to, to kind of move, 
uh, move the mission forward and open up more opportunities or whether it would be something that would be prohibitive, you know, that would take away somebody's abilities to go out and do those types of things. Mm-hmm. And as you said, most of it or a lot of it takes place behind the scenes, you know, the politics and all that. Uh, animal rights activists and anti-hunters are introducing bills all the time. And the faster you can get that killed in the process, the better you are. The further a bill goes in the process, if it comes up where it's going to committees and then going to, to the senator house floors in respective states, the harder it is to stop. Mm-hmm. So we work hard to stop it before it even hits the public, before you, it even you gets nip introduced. It in the bud. Yeah, yeah. We stop it either, either outright stop it or, you know, if it's the case of kenneling or dogs or something, get an exemption written. For hunting breeds or for hunters or whatever you know there's a national bill out there right now um talking about you know animal cruelty laws making it nationwide a felony and it's crushing or impaling or drowning animals which is great except you know what happens when you shoot a deer you're impaling it uh Mm -hmm. you know when trapping some water sets or whatever Mm -hmm. uh so those you know you have to write in exemptions and get things changed so down in the future you're not always defending against it so the sooner you can do that in the process the better so a lot of the stuff we do nobody even knows about so it's from a marketing standpoint that i do it gets difficult to uh (laughs) talk about because you're not talking about it you know like the first rule of fight club don't talk about fight club that's right that's right Well, so it's uh, it, tough. It, 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 is, it is tough, but you guys are out of position now um, where you're kind of changing, uh, if you will, you know, it, the, the look of Sportsman's Alliance and truly putting your guys yourself out there um, and expanding the name so that people are familiar with it and truly understand the value that you guys are bringing to the sportsman's because, I mean, not to, you know, everyone's pat themselves on the back, but like you guys are unsung heroes in in what's going on that a lot of people aren't um aware of that that's even happening in in legislation um so uh, just a a couple examples what are some of the projects or or some of the things that you guys are working on um let's just say this week that maybe most hunters aren't even aware of that's happening well to your first point is uh yeah i mean we've been around for 40 years mm-hmm. and we were never set up to be you know a big chapter model or lots and lots of members we were like you know we're like batman you know yeah. the state would send up the bat signal and we'd show up organize everybody and put up a fight and then it was done we went back to the bat cave in ohio and went on to the next state protecting hunting fishing and trapping right so right. uh so we were always kind of this underground, quiet group that worked the political scene and knew how to work ballot initiatives. And so for, you know, 35, 40 years, we didn't trump our name up, you know. So mm-hmm. and a lot of the groups we work with are a lot bigger than us. And we work with everybody. I mean, from the NRA to the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation to SCI, well, we're called the Alliance, the Sportsman's Alliance. And that's part of our ethos is we don't care who we're working with so long as we're getting it done. Sure. So we work with everybody, yep. you know, and a lot of times those groups are bigger. And a lot of times we lean on their chapters in states to protect states, to uh, get everybody activated. And so a lot of times they'll get the recognition or they have the footprint, you know, but that's fine. You know, that's what we've done for 40 years for the last four or five years. We've been 
kind of banging our drum a little bit more saying hey we're doing this you know so you know help us out yeah absolutely. so that's been part of that so um but to, to piggyback no i just to, to piggyback off that just a little bit more too is that um you know yeah, we've been the specialist for 41 years. Um, just a few years ago, you know, Brian and his team kind of led the rebranding effort of the Sportsman's Alliance because, mm-hmm. you know, we, we were very well known within, you know, the circles in the industry. Um, you know, a lot of the, the partners that Brian named, you know, knew who we are, you know, National Shooting Sports, um, National Turkey Federation. Those are some of our, our big partners with a lot of our programs. Um, and over the years from doing work with them, their members, came to find out about us and kind of started to become, you know, members of the Sportsman's Alliance because that's the model that's well known out there, right? Mm-hmm. You join DU, you join RMEF and, and you become a member. And so um, we really formalized those things kind of through, you know, the rebranding effort as well too. And um, kind of modernized the logo a little bit. Uh, those groups viewed us as the tip of the spear, right? Because right. our government affairs team, they're the first ones in they're in there working on these types of things that, you know, Brian and I were, were talking about here. Um, and so that's kind of, you know, the, from the visual perspective, that's what our logo is. It's, it's the tip of the spear. Um, we're the first ones in there with, with all those other groups and all of our members and donors, you know, kind of behind us um, helping to, uh, to push us through and, and, you know, together we just want to win. It doesn't matter, you know, who gets credit, what it's just, let's just win because what we have to do is we have to win every single thing that we're involved in, especially when it's, you know, when it's a fight, when it's protecting something, the other side, they only have to win once. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden we have something taken away. You know, they win that one little thing in one state and they're claiming that as victory, you know, And, and that's, you know, we're constantly on the defensive, which is, you know, a challenge for an organization because we don't know, you know, where and when, you know, things are going to pop up. Oftentimes you can kind of, you know, read the tea leaves a little bit and, and look for smoke. And usually where there's smoke, there's fire. Mm-hmm. But, you know, until until they put a bill forward or until they try to qualify for a ballot initiative, we're kind of in a sit and wait mode. And then all of a sudden, you know, they qualify for something or put something forward. And then we have to mobilize and we have to move and we have to do it quickly. Uh, and so that is one of the big reasons why, you know, we need to grow as well, too. You sure. know, we need more members involved. We need more sportsmen involved, frankly, because, you know, the, the days of, of just being complacent, buying our hunting fishing license, being enough for, for conservation and for protection of these things, you know, that passed us up 20 years ago. Oh, yeah. And if yeah. we're and if we're still thinking that, oh, I'm I'm doing you know, I'm doing my part because I buy my license. Well, no, you're not. You've mm-hmm. got to do more and you've got to get involved and, and just be up to speed and, and, and see what's going on with these issues out there. Right. Well, that, that's super important. And I think, it, I think everyone, I, I, I like what you guys are going, you know, direction of trying to include, you know, the everyday sportsmen. I mean, we've got to be educated as a, as an entire group. Um, and it doesn't matter if you are just a bow hunter, rifle hunter, fisherman, fly fisherman versus you know, throwing bait casters. It doesn't, it doesn't matter it's sportsman's alliance we're all in this together we've got to educate ourselves of what's happening out there um so you guys like you said can spearhead what is happening because it's tough to stay up to date on it but we still need to be um actively engaged on what's happening yeah and beyond that we have to start caring about things that aren't aren't in our own backyards we're 
Yeah. You know, we are, as sportsmen, we are notorious for not doing anything until the wolf is at the door mm-hmm. and the boogeyman's coming out from under the bed. Like, until it's in our backyard, we don't do anything. That's right. We have to start taking a holistic look at things. Mm-hmm. Because if you step back from where we're working at, we're working nationally. We're actually working globally, too. You know, we're, we're right. looking at things that are happening in Africa and Europe. And that's how things come to the United States. The animal rights movement started in Europe in the 70s, came to the United States. All, if you want to see where we're going, look to Europe. They got a head start on us. And that's where the crazy legislation you're seeing over there is what you'll see here eventually. It will come here. And so if you step back and can look at this from a larger view, you can see what's going on. Like you see where they're introducing bills across the nation simultaneously. There's several bills out there right now dealing with uh, wildlife contests, New Mexico, right, Oregon, right. you know, and so that what and they kind of do that. They did that in the 90s with mountain lions, Colorado, California, Oregon, Washington stopped mountain lion hunting in those states pretty much stopped hounding at least, which is the best method for taking the right cats out of the population. Mm-hmm. They do this. It's a concerted national effort, and they're very good at it. What we need to do, sportsmen, is start looking at those things. What happens in Maine with black bears eventually is going to come to Idaho and Montana. Yeah. If they pass it in Maine, they'll eventually be able to pass it there. You know, And they have the money to do it. We don't. They have the money, the emotional and outrage that gets headlines. We're, in, we're, we're behind the eight ball from the get-go. Sure. So we need to start taking bigger picture look, look what's happening in other states and get involved in that. Help send money, make calls, whatever, to activate people because eventually it's going to come to your backyard. If you're not if you're not helping others, eventually it'll be coming to you. That's exactly right. You know, and this this might be a, a silly question or a simple answer, um, <clears throat> but from the other side, you know. Who is truly behind a lot of these bills that are passing, and and where do they get their funding? Humane Society of the United States, mm-hmm. number one, without a doubt, largest animal rights organization in the world. And where they're getting the funding is, just look at the TV. Mm-hmm. Puppies and kittens. They, <laughs> they put it out there that they're saving puppies and kittens. People think when they support the Humane Society of the United States, that they're the big national umbrella group for all the local pet shelters in the country. They are not. Let me say that again. Humane Society of the United States has nothing to do with your local shelter. Your local shelter is dependent upon taxes, local taxes, and donations. That's it. Everybody gives 5 or $10 or whatever to these guys thinking they're helping puppies and kittens. Less than 1% of their $150 million budget goes to shelters. Wow. Wow. Yeah. And so where it is going is lobbying mm-hmm. and lawyers and ballot initiatives. And they can fund that by themselves. They can write half-million-dollar checks without even thinking about it. As sportsmen, we struggle to raise that kind of money to fight them. Sure. That's what it's about at the end of the day. It's about lawyers and lobbyists and ballot initiatives because that's how they can take things away from you and they can end and change laws so that's where the fight is and that's where it's taking place and that's where we will eventually win or lose mm-hmm. and those are the three places the sportsman's alliance has always worked that's very very yeah. interesting very interesting and there's 
there's several other organizations that are out there as well, too. I mean, they're certainly the biggest. They're the ones that we see the most um, in the court system and, and, you know, for ballot initiatives. They're the ones who we butt heads with the most and see out there. Um, and in fact, on their website, you know, they just kind of relaunched their their big fights. Right. Those are their their target areas where they're working. Well, one of their big fights is to end what they call trophy hunting. Well, what's trophy hunting, right? You know, sure. it's such a word that gets bastardized, um, and they, and they they paint a picture of it because it's a it's a divisive word. Mm-hmm. Um, but their real end game is to end hunting. You know, their their former CEO, you know, he made no bones about it. You know, he's he's quoted as saying, if he could end hunting today, he would. You know, so that's that's who they are, and that's that's their mentality. You know, but there's there's a ton of other organizations out there that are comparable in size or slightly smaller and you know we took a look at like the top 10 you know anti-hunting organizations out there and added up you know their collective budgets and assets you know they have assets over 800 million dollars in assets that's just the top 10 yeah it's it's just a huge amount of money Mm -hmm. huge amount of money and i mean that's that's what we can't stress enough like how imperative it is for people on our side to really get involved you know, it's, and it's tough because it's, uh, you know, we look at hunting as the outlet, right? Mm-hmm. I just want to, <laughs> I want to go out and relax. You know, I just want to go out in the woods and I want to go bow hunt. Well, there's a lot of people who are out there on the other side of that who want to stop that and take it away. Not because they really understand the conservation aspects of it and the management aspects of it, just because ideologically they don't agree with it. it you know, emotionally, yeah. they don't agree with it. You know, and there's a lot of misinformation out there about it. Wow. That's uh, almost a little alarming, but also at the same time is a testament to the work that you guys are doing on a day-to-day basis, fighting the fight and and sticking up basically to these large, large groups um, and doing everything you, you can. So moving forward, what is something – us and, and other listeners and and the sportsmen's out there what is that we need to do to help you guys to bring awareness to everything what what are the next steps for us yeah you know for for us you know we want people to become members of the organization mm-hmm. you know we've got we've got roughly you know anywhere between 12 to 15 million licensed hunters in this country yep. you know if just one percent of everybody who buys a hunting license bought a sportsman's Alliance membership. That's a game changer for the organization. Right. Know, that that's huge. Um, aside from that, you know, the, the simple, easy things to do for people to be informed is to sign up for our newsletters. You know, mm-hmm. we do a sportsman's weekly, which is just a, a quick email summary of what's going on out there. You know, they can go to our website, which is sportsmansalliance.org. And they can sign up to receive, you know, our emails. That's easy. They can follow us on on social media, um, you know, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. If they just search Sportsman's Alliance, you know, they'll find us there. And they can see, you know, all the information that, that Brian's putting out that highlights everything that our government affairs team is working on. Um, you know, everything from bills to things that, you know, the other side is doing out there to, to just all kinds of just general information. You know, so those are the those are the easy things. And, you know, our basic membership platform, it starts at thirty five bucks. So 
you know, it's it's less than the cost of a lot of broadheads that you buy out there oh, or, or a couple boxes of non-toxic shot shells. So um, that that goes a long way. And there's there's all kinds of different me- membership platforms that we've got in there, too. So there's something there for everybody. So that's that's it. We need people to get involved and get engaged. Yeah. And beyond that, it's when something is happening and we put out an alert for a state sportsmen need to get activated. Yeah. Need to call calls really work. You know, you can write an email or send in a comment, but if you call and a little aide picks up the phone and you give her the spiel of what it is, why this is bad or good and why it's needed and whatever, you know, hearing from somebody, you know, if, if they get 10 calls on something, that's going to start changing their mind. Mm -hmm. So we need to get activated as sportsmen and push, you know, and then they usually call us and they're like, Hey, okay, okay. Calm down. You guys stop. (laughs) And then that's when we say, Nope. And we step a little harder. Put the foot back on the gas. That's right. That's right. Yep. That's, that's a great point, Brian, because you know, emails, emails are good and they keep track of those, but they're kind of passive. Mm -hmm. You pick up the phone call, you pick up the phone and you call your representative and you say, Hey, listen, you need to, you guys need to vote no on on whatever bill one two three four uh, because it's bad and here's the reasons why it's bad. Yeah, they're they're definitely keeping track of that because they know if people actually are taking the time out of their day because everybody's busy. If they're picking up the, yeah, and they they make that phone call. There's a multiplier that they put behind every single one of those phone calls. So mm-hmm. they start getting ten and twenty and thirty of those. They know like oh boy, all right, we better we better do what these guys what our constituents are asking us to do. Um, because let's face it, I mean, they they want to keep their jobs too. Certainly. And when, yeah. when they hear from us, especially when they hear from us on from our community on on these types of wildlife issues, because there's not a lot of um, you know elected officials out there that are that are hunting, fishing, trapping anymore. And mm-hmm. we've we've got we've got several, but it's not like it used to be. Sure. So we really have to make sure that we're educating them and and telling them, you know, what we think about these different things. Yeah, that's, that's super important. Uh, there's a couple, like, parallels, and I think that uh, listeners are going to kind of connect here. Um, from our standpoint, from, from a land legacy habitat management standpoint, you know, we're consistently talking about you know, benefiting what, what the work that we're doing benefits lots of species, whether it's, you know, unique rare plants or um, songbirds that have lost their woodland uh, species when we're doing heavy TSI, like we can increase that habitat and, and make it beneficial beneficial for them. At the same time, you know, increasing habitat for white-tailed deer, cottontails, you know, turkeys, quail, whatever it is, you know, the work that we're doing benefits a wide range of everything. I think, I think it's super easy to put on basically glasses that are just such a narrow focus of oh i'm i'm just trying to improve habitat for deer but if we take a step back or two or ten we see the greater picture and i think that's what you guys are doing in your own field is listen what we're doing on a day-to-day basis again is a wide range we're helping sportsmen all across the country you know what what happens in ohio or what happens in Maine will and potentially affect everyone else. And if we can uh, change our focus and honestly join together, like you guys are, are talking about, um, and realize what's happening, get behind you, I think that 
success is, is going to start to turn into, you know, our favor of sportsmen's um, and, and moving forward with this legislation. I'm not a very political person. Uh, I just, for some reason, I, I'm not. But hearing you guys talk about, okay, here's what we need people to be doing, picking up the phones and calling. To me, I'm like, oh, that kind of makes me a little nervous. But that's mm-hmm. exactly what needs to happen. And, and even though I'm not that political of a person, you know, it still affects me whether whether I take, you know, part of, um, you know, watching the news every single night. Like this stuff is occurring and you can't sit back and not do anything. We've got to be sportsmen together, see the big picture and take part and take action. Without a doubt, you know, and then the political side is it can be intimidating. You know, I mean, I've done it calling, you know, my senators and stuff who are totally anti-gun out here in Washington state, mm-hmm. you know, and talk to their aides and, okay, we'll take your note. Yeah. They aren't going to pay attention to that. They don't care. I'm not part of their voting block that they care about, but I'm making it known at least and taking a step. Sure. You need to do that. We need to get comfortable doing that, you know, and we are all in this together. I mean, this is like, you'll see pheasants forever promoting duck stamps sure. because what's yeah. good, the, the wetlands and in, in the, uh, Dakotas and stuff and everywhere else is great winter habitat for pheasants. So they promote getting a duck stamp. Yep. You know, we, we have to tie this all together. And at the end of the day, from a management perspective, we manage in this country from the ground up. Mm-hmm. You know, however much habitat there is, is how much prey species it can hold is how many predators you can have. It's not hard to figure out, exactly. <laughs> you know, yeah. and that's what's missing from a lot of a lot of people are missing in the media in politics, whatever, everybody wants to have what they call, and I'm using air quotes here, you know, charismatic megafauna, mm-hmm. you know, mountain lions, grizzly bears, black bears, wolves. And they're like, oh, don't kill them, don't kill them. It's like, well, what do you want to do with them? There's <laughs> right. only so many elk, deer, and moose for them to eat. Mm-hmm. There's only so much suitable habitat for them to run around in. And the bigger the animal, usually the bigger the territory they need. So, what do you want to do with them? What do you want to have happen here? We only have x number of acres that mm-hmm. they can run on yep. so it's all about management at the end of the day that all goes back to habitat correct it goes back to how much land you have how much escape cover feeding cover you know different things like that that the, the habitat can support and it's all tied together and we need to do a better job telling that story getting the media and politicians to understand it i think i think a lot of people want to tend to like disconnect of, of or be disconnected of how everything true truthfully does affect you know one thing to another to another what we talked about brian you know pre-recording was just the ecological principle of all this like everything touches and affects another thing um and same thing with you know we're, we're talking about voting and being active in your state and trying to like it affects everything else down the line um you know it's momentum for everyone else it's it's hopefully encouraging uh other people in in your neck of the woods to join in what you're doing uh, it has an effect and we need to create that um buzz around and and throughout sportsmen's yeah i mean the other side's doing it just look right. at the headlines right. all you have to do is look at the headlines and watch the news and you'll see the other side doing it you'll see the protests and whatever there may only be eight people out there protesting but that's not how the news portrays it Sure. You know, and they have this emotional hook. So every time you see a headline talking about Cecil the Lion or 
you know, the bear that was killed in New Jersey that walked on two feet, you know, never mind the fact that it's an injured bear eating in people's backyards. Mm-hmm. Look at the outrage. Look what's getting the headlines. Certainly. The other side is doing that. And mm-hmm. if you're not doing it, if you're not getting off the couch, putting the remote down, sending an email, calling, you're losing. We are losing. So we have to do it because the other side's going to do it. And it eventually boils down to laws. And that gets shaped by lobbyists and lawyers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It, it's it's no different from from our perspective of okay, if we want the habitat to improve, if we want it to change, well, we have to actively manage it. We have to actively get up off the couch during the off season and do things that are, are manage the habitat uh, for the betterment of wildlife. We can't exactly same thing. We have to get up. We got to call. We got to put in these emails. We got to do this stuff to make it better for everybody and then again like i said it affects your neighbors it affects you know everyone that that's involved in this we all yeah. have inner circles we all have i'm sure we could think of 10 friends right now that have the same hobbies the same compassion the same energy drive that that we all share for hunting um whatever it is you're hunting um call them get them to do something get them to join yeah. in the fight habitat management doesn't happen in a vacuum and neither does policies and politics. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't you can't just sit back and expect the habitat to be okay when you have inv- invasive species coming in and whatever else mm-hmm. overgrazing or whatever. You can't just expect, you know, hunting and fishing will be safe from lawyers and lobbyists when the other side, an invasive species, is coming in trying to change the landscape. That's exactly. You right. have to be out there. Ending, burning, pulling weeds, whatever. It's the same exact thing on the political side. You know, you have to do those things. You have to keep up on it and you have to keep fighting it. Without question, without question. I think there's, there's a lot of uh, parallels, honestly, between the fight you guys are fighting and, and what we're trying to do. And, and it all boils down to education. Education of, of what it is the fight, the fight truly is. And it changes Every day, every property that we go to, you know, there's something else that needs to be changed or combated with or, or managed. And, and, you know, some of these things you can, it's, you know, low-hanging fruit. You can knock that out quick or you can, you know, start chipping away at this in 10 years you're going to get there. You know, same thing can be said for what you guys face on a day-to-day basis. Without yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yep. And, and what we do affects everybody else. As you were saying, I just want to back up to that point is – And when you're making these points to whether it's friends or politicians or the media, it's that, hey, this habitat, most public land, a lot of it, wildlife refugees and whatever, are paid for by hunters and anglers, Hmm. shooters, you know. And, yeah, we might be managing for deer or we might be doing whatever, but that benefits all these other species that hikers, bird watchers and whoever else enjoy and use the land and get to see these animals the backbone of all of that are hunters anglers trappers and shooters definitely definitely and that's a that covers such a wide range a wide uh, populace of people you know an angler may not you know necessarily actively trap but guess what it's still important you still need to care about it you may not uh take part in it on a yearly basis you may not buy that trapping license but you need to care about them. You need to care about their interests because. Well, here, here's a, here's the other thing. And here's what we deal with a lot. Okay. Anglers, they don't come under a whole lot of attack. I mean, Pete every now and then throws some crazy stuff out there, 
but on the political side, they aren't under attack all the time, right? Like, Mm -hmm. you know, fishing is fairly well accepted and, you know, there's a big difference between a big, my, my analogy is the bigger the eye and the longer the eyelash, the greater the outrage, (laughs) you know, that's pretty much what you'll see in the headlines. Well, fish are slimy. They got weird eyes and they don't have eyelashes, right? You're Mm -hmm. not getting a whole lot of outrage. You know, no, nobody's saying nobody is fighting to have the red cheek chub, you know, removed or not removed from the endangered species list. Right. All right. We had a, a minor technical difficulty, but I think we've got everyone back. Is that right? Brian, Sean, you yes, there? sir. Yep. Yep. Perfect. And and I think, Brian, you're talking about the uh, delisting of the red. The, no, nobody, nobody's nobody's, you know, the point is that nobody's fighting the uh, delisting of a fish and nobody's trying to stop fishing where they're looking at are, you know, charismatic megafauna again, mm-hmm. lynx, grizzly bears, whatever. And the piece that, the, that gets missed a lot is like for trapping. We fought a case in Maine all the way to the, you know, through the appeals process because they were trying, the animal rights movement was trying to take away trapping in Maine for bobcats because Canadian lynx, who are in the area might step in the trap and you can't control that. And it's listed on the endangered species list, right? Mm -hmm. The reason we fought that is because if you can apply that same reasoning and logic to, to trapping, you can apply it to angling. If there's an endangered fish in a stream or river or lake, you can't control if it's going to bite your hook. Mm -hmm. So then you, you set the table for closing down fishing. Yeah. Uh, Right now, New Mexico and Oregon have no wildlife contests. It's aimed at coyotes mostly, you know, the coyote contests. But it doesn't, that's a small step from there to fishing, fishing tournaments. You're talking bass fishing, you're talking trout tournaments, you're talking uh, steelhead and salmon tournaments. So that's a small step. So the angler does need to care. You know, he's not under direct attack, but a lot of this stuff that happens with trapping and wildlife can then in the future easily be applied to fishing yeah you like we said earlier you have to nip things in the bud and you have to be able to see in the future as to okay if this goes if if we don't if we don't address this what does it mean 10 years from now what does it mean 15 years from now if they get this leg hold they're going to build off of it they're going to take that momentum and apply it elsewhere and that's again like how we're all affected and that's exactly right and i mean we're a small organization all right like i mean we are tiny compared to a lot of people Mm -hmm. um and so a lot of the we, a lot of it, there's so much out there we can't get involved in everything. We try to get those big pieces that are immediate threats, mm-hmm. but like we were just saying, we look at court cases, we look at different bills that are going to set precedent. You know, uh, the grizzly bear case is a great, a great example. The grizzly bear is in the greater Yellowstone area, has met all recovery thresholds, mm-hmm. surpassed them. They're still listed. The other side's still fighting to keep them on there, saying they're not recovered enough. You know, right. well, what happens if we allow a recovered species to stay on the endangered species list? I mean, we call it the Hotel California. <laughs> you can check in, but you can never check out. Yeah, yeah. You know, absolutely. And that's how the other side views it, at least mm-hmm. for the species that they like that they can fundraise off of. Sure. Like I was saying. Nobody's fighting the delisting of a fish or lizard, mm-hmm. but grizzly bears, wolves, things like that. They can fundraise off of it and they can bang their drum and say trophy hunting and all mm-hmm. this other stuff, right. you know, so. 
And, th and that's where I think we've gotten a little out of touch with um, what science is and how it applies and just good hard data and evidence to prove ecologically where we're at with things. And that, that needs to stand and, and mean something to, to people, uh, wh no matter what side of the fence you're on. Uh, like those, th to me, in most cases, if, if, if it's good research, um, it's pretty much cold hard facts. So use that to our advantage and, and don't abuse systems and abuse uh, you know, the endangered species list. It is what it says it is. It's an endangered species list. Yep, yeah. not a recovered species list. Mm -hmm. And the, the fact of the matter is, you know, under under our North American model of wildlife conservation, point, point to a game animal that's gone extinct from hunting since we've implemented our model of conservation. Right. And, I mean, there's not one. In fact, you know, hunting under our model has helped not only game species, but so many other non-game species flourish. Yeah. So you're sure. right. I mean, the science is there. We need to tie the science and the facts and, and the 100 plus years of, you know, you know, documentation that we have into emotion so that it translates to the, the people in the middle. Right. Mm -hmm. The people on the hunting side of things understand it and see it. The people on the anti hunting side of things, we're not going to change their mind. But those people that are in the middle that hunting doesn't even show up on their radar. Right. They don't sure. unless they have somebody in their family that that does it or, or is involved in it. They don't think about it. Um, but how, so those are the ones we have to reach, and we have to have some impactful messaging, so that it so that it means something to them, right? So that it, they understand it, so that when something does come up on the ballot initiative, so that they're voting the right way. Mm -hmm. For sure, for sure. And it's a tough it's a tough message, right? Like it we have is. all the facts and all the science in the world. You start talking about this, people's eyes glaze over. They're like, oh, yeah. uh huh, yeah, uh huh. You know, and it's even hard for them to grasp. You have to do it in little chunks. It's mm -hmm. a long story. It is. The other side just says trophy hunting, slaughter, not necessary, all these emotional words yeah. that get a headline and get a story told. And then they name a damn wolf or bear or whatever. And as soon as you give an animal a name, it's look out, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know. Yep. Um, so it's an uphill fight. We have all the facts and science and a hundred year track record to support this. But they're like a three-year-old throwing a hissy fit. It doesn't <laughs> right, matter, right? Right. You yeah. know. Yeah. No. So I... it's it's educating people, but it's a it's a tough way and tough long story to tell to educate them. Yep. It is. But it, the education comes from from the people in our community mm -hmm. being able to articulate it. You know, one on one, one on right. five. You know, if they're at a dinner party, you know, mm -hmm. to be able to really break things down and just just to tell those people in their circle that aren't into hunting, you know, when something does pop up, they, they just need to be able to explain it. They need to be able to say, Hey, look, I know you saw this on social media. That's not the way that this works. Here's what happens. And, mm -hmm. and just be able to walk those things through that. Um, that's, that's how it has to come. And that's why we need more people engaged so that they can have that information. They can have those conversations and they can really start to impact people and, and open their eyes. So that when the other side comes out with this kind of stuff, they can just go, eh, you know what, let me reach out to Matt and find out what's the scoop on this thing. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's, that's when we really start winning some things. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, articulating the message clearly, um, when, when we, when we do become educated, um, you know, it, it seems as if the other side responds extremely emotionally. And I think that it, it's a healthy balance uh, to articulate uh, to articulate our message, 
um, with emotion behind it, but do it very clearly and do it very uh, professionally. Because, uh, yeah. again, I think that we have we have the facts. We have that to our advantage. It's understanding it and then using using your passion about that subject to then professionally articulate that message that needs to be said and needs to be shared. Um, yeah. I think it's easy to get to get riled up, to get, you know, a little enraged because again, you know, they're, they're trying to take something away. But mm-hmm. if we, if we consider the way we're presenting it, presenting ourselves, I think that the, the people there in the middle that we're trying to reach and really trying to hit the masses there, I think that presentation really captures them and really yeah. gets them. I get it. I see it. Yeah. And so, yeah, you, you touched on something there when you said, you know, just how we present ourselves. And, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of that starts with, you know, what we're doing and how we're carrying ourselves, not only in public, but if we're on social media, you know, how are we representing ourselves? What are the pictures we're showing? You know, what's the context that we're putting behind those pictures if we've got, you know, sure. some, some dead animals in it? Mm-hmm. So we've got to do those things, you know, tactfully and right. strategically. Um, but I can't tell you how many times over the years I've had just fantastic conversations with people who I haven't physically seen in like 10 or 20 years. They don't hunt, but they, you know, we're, we're connected through social media and something will happen online and they'll send me a message. Hey, Sean, what's going on with this? What's the real story? And those conversations are awesome because mm-hmm. you're having an impact. It's, it's somebody who's coming to you because they see you as a resource. They, they watch what you're doing. They see what you're posting they know that you're going to have a good, uh, informed opinion to be able to provide them information, and they can take that information away and, and understand the situation. Um, that's that's the type of stuff that, that we're talking about of people being informed and being able to you know engage the people around them and help provide that correct information so that when these things pop up, we can represent sportsmen you know in a positive fashion. Without a doubt, yep. I think I think that's super important moving forward when when hopefully you know people who are like you know what i I need i need to i need to become a part of this i need to do something uh i need to get off the couch i need to send these emails i need to i need to make these phone calls you know that's the way it's presented that's the way it's communicated the message um is super important but the delivery of it i think is incredibly important um aspect of of what we do moving forward amen well, guys, I don't want to cut things short, but we're, we're getting there on time. I, I think that it's super important for you guys to each, you know, have, have a, the, you know, two minute recap, um, a little charge here for, for people. Um, you know, what, what is it we need to do move forward and just a, in a quick recap? Uh, well, from at least my perspective is, you know, take a step back. Look at what's happening in other states. I mean, it's a concerted effort on their part, and there's one or two organizations leading the charge, and they're slowly trying to take away hunting and fishing and trapping nationwide, worldwide. That is their ultimate goal. You need to get involved. You need to, whatever's going to happen in one state will eventually find its way to your state. So be involved, be active, be good roles, role models, and ambassadors for, for our uh, sports and realize it's not sexy and you may not like to admit it but eventually everything boils down to lobbyists and lawyers that's Mm -hmm. how laws get changed in the court system or state and federal legislatures 
you need to be active politically. And if you can't be active yourself all the time, supporting Sportsman's Alliance and other organizations that are defending your rights and, and your ability to go out and enjoy the outdoors is a necessary step. I mean, we need eventually have to pay the lawyer, you know, and we need that support to do so. Absolutely. Don? Yeah, yeah. So it's, you know, obviously we want people to become members of the organization, but mm-hmm. you know what, before you do so, do your due diligence, right? Absolutely. You know, follow us on social media. Check us out. See what we're working on. Subscribe to get our emails. That'll that'll get you the Sportsman's Weekly delivered to your inbox. You can read up on what we're working on, what we're seeing out there, what's going on. Um, you know, most of the time when people start to do those things, they see the value in the membership and they want to get involved, and then they become members. You know, I, I like to tell people, you know, obviously beyond just buying your hunting license, right? That's that's not enough anymore. You need to be you need to belong to probably at least three different organizations. Mm-hmm. You need to you need to be you need to find an organization that protects your method, right? right? So if you hunt with a bow or hunt with a gun, find a group that that works on those types of things. Protect your pursuit. If you're a deer hunter, or a duck hunter, or a turkey hunter, find that organization that focuses on those things. And then protect your passion. And if your passion is hunting, fishing, and trapping, then you need to be a member of the Sportsman's Alliance. And and that's kind of the the recap on you know where where people can get involved how they can find out information and, and just get more, you know, understanding of what this organization does. And, you know, some of the, some of the huge things that we've led over the years. Yeah, no doubt. And, and it's very impressive. Um, when, when people do the research, they're going to, they're going to find that out. Um, so guys, how do they get in contact with you with Sportsman's Alliance social media website? Yeah. So our, you know, our website is sportsmen's M E N S alliance.org um, on facebook sportsman's alliance uh, instagram is sportsman's all but i think if you just type in sportsman's alliance you know it should pop up uh, twitter is the same i believe um, you know if, if people wanted to, to get in touch with me uh, instagram is probably the best place to find me i'm, I'm usually over there um, it's it's the underscore sean s-e-a-n underscore current um, and Brian's over there as well too. And, and I don't know what, what else did I miss, Brian? That's about it. You got the website sportsmensalliance.org. Um, that has uh, email info and our office number and they can put us in touch. It also has all the different membership levels for individual members as well as business partners. So if you own a business outdoor related business, you can usually join tax deductible because it's a, uh, protecting your your business interests and we have different levels of business partner interests as well so we have a little bit of everything for however somebody wants to get involved and protect their passions and the outdoors way of life yep yep sportsmen's clubs businesses really all the above um because we want uh we want everybody as possible to uh, to get involved and, and be up to speed on what's going on out there no doubt i think it's super important guys and I really appreciate you guys taking the time today to come on, share the message, and, and get people energized and educated about uh, what's what's happening out there. No more behind-the-scenes stuff. Um, let's all take, uh, take the initiative and educate ourselves and move forward with protecting our passions. I like that a lot. Awesome. Yeah, appreciate Thank it. You. Yeah, thanks for the guys. conversation. It's been fun. Absolutely. Y'all take care. You too. There you have it. What would you think? Awesome. 
Yeah. Awesome I, stuff. I mean, you know, it goes with that. I've had this discussion a lot with people um, about how each and every one of us have a place and a part. Yeah. And a, and a place to stand on the rope to start tugging back. And then we all have a race. We all and run our race. And it's important that we all run our race and focus on the race in front of us mm-hmm. and know that just because we're not running the same race as somebody else doesn't mean we're on the opposing side, but we're all on the same team. Oh, and, for sure. And so, like, for you and I, our race is not in D.C. or it's not in the legislation. We'll help support or um, – shed light on some of the the places in the field but our race is is helping landowners helping people on the land improve it that's right their race is to help make sure the fight is kept in in the uh in the government side of things the legislation and and regulations yeah and it and it's they have a they have a tough road ahead of them and they need our support i mean there's no way of around it and I don't, and I don't say that to you know, just for a, you know a fundraising thing for for them but but truthfully and I think they said it really well um we are all in this together and our interest um along with um you know birders or fishermen or hikers we all need to be um joined together as sportsmen and realizing that truthfully their fight is our fight and vice versa um and the only way to do that is just is to get behind an organization like Support that. Support one another. That's it. That's it. Don't so. don't be one track minded. Yeah. I for I, sure. I think people you could say okay, what's your favorite organization to 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 partner with? It's like, well, we have three hats that that really help three organizations right now, mm-hmm. and there's many more to come. That doesn't yeah. mean those are the only organizations we that's right we support. There's so many of them out there. Um, and so hopefully you guys will, uh, will enjoy this podcast and, and, uh, help support Sportsman's Alliance. That's right. Thanks for listening, guys.